Hey guys, this is Aisha Shelton. And this is Kevin Shelton. Welcome back to the Marriage and Real Estate Podcast, babe. (laughs) (laughs) No extra, bro. (laughs) Welcome back. Ah, So here we are. So this week, we're going to jump right into it. We always jump right into it. to talk about. We have we always have things to talk about. <laughs> we always jump right into it, and we always have things to talk about. What are we talking about this week, Kevin? You're so professional. The title of this week's episode is "To Sell or Not to Sell." Um, one of the things that we've been discussing for the past week is whether to sell or not to sell one of our rental properties. Yeah, so you guys get to have the upfront. Um, peer view of the conversations that we have in regards to our investments and when we are evaluating our investments, what kind of conversations that we have. And so we thought this would be a good platform for us to kind of hash it out. Um, and you may find yourself in this same situation or dilemma. Um, and it, everybody's answer or solution would be different, but we're going to figure out what the solution is to ours. So, you know, the market's hot. Right. Everybody knows the market's super hot. And of course, on anything that's an older rental, especially something that's, you know, greater than 10 years old, um, you have a lot of equity built up. Mm -hmm. So then you have to kind of struggle with the decision whether or not to sell uh, based on the market, based on, you know, what you have to do to the property, get it market ready, all those things. Um, So when we started having this conversation this week, um, we kind of in my mind, I started going through a checklist of the things that we would have to do to sell it. And then uh, what would we end up doing when we sell? And then I know you had kind of your feedback on what would we do with the money if we sold it. Yeah. So let's give us let us give you a little bit of background. So this is our first investment property yep. um, that was purchased, I guess, 10 years ago, 2022. Yeah. No. More than uh, that. More than that. 12 years. 12, 10, 12 years uh, ago. 11 years. Okay. Oh. It was more, It was 10 plus years ago. Okay. <laughs> Let's start there. 2009. 2009. And so um, this was the house. And I, you've heard the story. If you listen to the podcast, you've heard the story about mm-hmm. me buying my first house, whatever. So this was my first house, you know, yep. 25 years old, bought a house about 90 something thousand dollars yep. with $30,000 down payment assistance yep. and a $700 um, mortgage. mortgage payment for a three bedroom, two bathroom house about, what is it? 1200 square feet. Yep. 1240. Yeah. So about 1200 square feet, which makes for a great rental in a starter community in a starter home community. And so it served its purpose. It was, you know, my first, little house when it was just little single Aisha. It was our house when we had our first kid together. And then when we moved out and upgraded as our family was growing, Mm -hmm. we um, kept it as a rental property because it just made sense. And so it made uh, approximately 700 to $750 a month since we had that property. Yep. So to, to break down the numbers, when you originally paid for this property, it was $90,000. You put $30,000 down. So that $700 mortgage was everything. Uh, and oh, yeah. even when we started investing and we took money out and we yeah. cashed out, um, even taking the money that we took out, we still ended up with making about $500 a month off the renting of that, which we rent out for almost $1,500 a month. Yeah. So really good numbers on that. 
So really good numbers on this property. And what brought about kind of the decision whether or not to sell is we're coming up on the end of a lease with a tenant. We are deciding to either renew the lease uh, or do what we need to do to sell it. We're past the 10 year mark, so it would need some capital expenditures and we have a great amount of equity in it. So it would make sense to cash out. But what do we do then? Right. So so some of the conversations that we were having. So one, like, why would you sell a, a property that has all of that upside to it? Mm-hmm. Um, but the other conversation is, you know, you pull equity out of a house or you have this lump sum of money. And let's be honest, what typically happens is you just get a little bit more frivolous and a little bit more free when you know you have. Yeah. When you know you have this nest egg, you know, of money. And so. One of my concerns was like, okay, but if we pull it out, how are we going to deploy it to make sure that it is for our benefit like it is for our benefit now um, and not get caught up in like this this beautiful bag of money here. We should go to, I don't know, Milan. <laughs> No, I don't think we would do that. I'm not saying I'm not saying that we would do that. But I think that what typically happens is and I'm sure other people can relate is that you get this lump sum of money and then you look back, you know, a year and a half later and you go like, what did I do? (laughs) Like, what do we do with that money? Right. Um, So I want to be very intentional if we decide to sell this property that we have a clear and direct plan for how we're going to reinvest those those funds. So when I look at the list of things on the keep side, there's, of course, the cash flow every month. Mm-hmm. It's in pretty good shape. I mean, as a property, it, it needs very little maintenance, you know, a couple of capital expenditures, but nothing major. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's intrinsic value. It's your first home, things like that. Um, and then it's in a great area, so that area is going to continue to appreciate That's over true. time. There's lots of development happening mm-hmm. around the area, both residential and commercial. So, you know, have we realized, would we realize the maximum value from it? Like what else exists? Um, and is there more equity that can be extracted if we hold on to it a little bit longer? No. So all those things are, you know, good points to consider. On the sales side, it's the equity we have now. Mm-hmm. The frustration of getting it ready for um, a new tenant, leasing Mm -hmm. up a new tenant or renewing the lease with the existing tenant. And Lord knows what, you know. Yeah, because let's be very clear. (laughs) We have not been the most attentive landlords. Yeah, we have not been the most attentive landlords. We're like the check clear and we happy. So don't call us. We'll call you now. We've had had some things (laughs) that we've had to go check. Funny. So we put eyes on the property at least a couple of times a year. Yeah. But it's not like we over there every week. So well, when not, I drove by, there was definitely things that I'd like yeah, to see done. And if you are, let's be clear, if you are a very present uh, landlord and not present like in your tenant's face kind of present, but you would have, you know, you would pass by and see or somebody, you know, would pass by and see that there needs there's a tension that needs to happen to whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's where, you know, Kevin passed by and like, man, this tree is way overgrown. We really need to maintenance this. Well, now, mind you, you know, there was a time we we kind of really streamed down our expenses mm-hmm. because we were taking care of all the landscaping. We were. Um, had eyes on the property very regularly, and I was way more hovery landlordy. Yeah. 
um, and you didn't like that. I didn't. And it created a lot of um, great relationships with our tenants, but it made hard conversations a little bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. um, so we wanted to give ourselves a break from that, really focus on our other aspects of our business and not be as involved in our tenant life. So we took all the landscaping out of all of our leases. Mm -hmm. We became much more hands off in all of our tenants' lives. Um, so that that has created space for things to be done. And maybe I think we probably going to land in a hybrid of the two. Yeah. And because I really feel like when I think about the first kind of landlords we were when we were fairly new landlords, we were very much hands on, super attentive. You know, do you need something? Can we help you do something? Here's and your birthday then, card. Here's your Christmas right, card. And yeah. then we became these like hands off landlord. And then we see that, you know, some things have declined with the property. And so it's I think we definitely are at a place where we want to be a hybrid of the two. Mm -hmm. um, I remember from one of the Bigger Pockets landlord books that I read, it was saying how you want to have maintenance people in order to keep eyes on your property. You want to have maintenance people go through the house for whatever reason, mm -hmm. like, hey, we changed the filters. And so uh, we'll be through, you know, letting them know mm -hmm. that we're coming through. And the same thing with the um with the lawn maintenance, when we had somebody coming through, cutting the front and the back lawn, you had, more eyes you had on eyes on the physical property and your vendors can say, hey, I just want to let you know that there's a, a window's been broken for the last, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that hasn't been the case with our properties, but those that's one of the ways as a landlord that you can keep your eyes on the property or have someone that works with you and for you to keep your eyes on the property without being so present. No, true. So. Looking at the, the keep list versus the sell list, I definitely think there's many more benefits on the keep side. Now, um, on the sell side, that equity piece, while it's attractive, the one thing that you asked about, you know, what would we do with the money? And when I looked at our investment analysis of A, our existing businesses, investments we have coming up, and could we quickly deploy this capital into something that could immediately generate the same returns for this particular piece of capital? Mm -hmm. We couldn't. Yep. So it didn't make sense. And um, that's kind of my rough analysis. Yeah. And I was like, ah, well, then maybe we should do the CapEx, do the maintenance, keep it basic, which is still a sacrifice. It's still money, yep. right? Like you're talking to the tune of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. But it's a long term investment to ride this out for another 10 years uh, with a new roof and painted exterior and, you know, freshly manicured landscaping and put a new tenant in place and all of the And we we actually did this when we first turned it into a rental because yep. we changed the floors mm -hmm. and we updated all the interior paint. So the inside looks great. Yep. Now it's time to do a little bit of work on the outside so that we can continue this cash flow ride. And also let's be clear, if you are reserving like you should, right? Mm -hmm. I don't remember what the percentage is of reserves that it's you like, should well, it's between five to ten percent for vacancy and okay. So let's CapEx. so let's say five percent. So if you're reserving five percent of the 
the cash flow that you're getting for these capital expenditures, then when they come around, it's an easy check, right? To say like, hey, we need to replace the roof or we need a new hot water heater. And so you just pull from that reserve. Which um, we have had some things. So, you know. We have, but I'm saying we have we don't have a reserve for it like we should. Like no, that's a, a true. true reserve. Luckily, we've been able to meet those expenditures when they come up, right? And so- for example, what was it that we had to replace? Was it the dryer vent, a stove, something? Something. Um, dishwasher. Dishwasher needed to be replaced. There we go. The dishwasher to, needed to be replaced. Well, that's not something that you can save up for or even really wait to get fixed when your tenants have that kind of a yeah. need. And so you need to be able to have the ability to respond quickly to those kind of needs. If somebody hot water heater goes out, you need to yeah. have, you have to fix this hot water heater. No, And so funny, we had, we had an instance where um, we thought the furnace went out. This was like a couple of years ago mm-hmm. when the storm, it wasn't winter storm. It was just really cold. I think yeah. we had a spurt of like super cold and the heater went out and we had to immediately dispatch somebody. And I think it cost us like two or 300 bucks and it was the thermostat. It needed a so new thermostat. thankfully, yeah. it was just the thermostat, but that was like a whole thing. It was. I mean, we've had garage door issues and you have to d- yep. dispatch somebody out. So, you know, it's good to save for those capital expenditures. Mm-hmm. This is just a random, a random thought. And those are more maintenance than CapEx. You know, the CapEx that we'll do this year is something that is a major investment for mm-hmm. the long run. So mm-hmm. even I, and what I just did was a quick calculation. If I took 5% of our cash flow times the last four years, <laughs> it's only like 1200 bucks. Yeah. That 1200 bucks wouldn't replace the roof. That no. 1200 bucks wouldn't paint the exterior. Mm-hmm. That 1200 bucks wouldn't do, um, you know, what we want to do on the exterior with the deck and all that good jazz. But the benefit of being contractors is we do have resources that, you know, are at our disposal to get very good pricing on lots of things. And we do have the money to do the other stuff that we want to do where it's not a burden. So yeah, it kind of is what it is. But um, what it does is protect our value in our property for the long haul, make it easily rentable, make it easily turnable uh, so that, you know, if one tenant moves out, we can move somebody else in and the yeah. property is always cash flowing. And that's to our benefit. So uh, the one thing that I love about, you know, taking this invest investment journey with my husband is this, right? Mm-hmm. This kind of dialogue, because when this first became a conversation, Kevin had it in his mind. He's like, hey, the market is good. I think we should sell Skyview. Mm-hmm. And to have those two dynamics to, for, to be able to put our brains together yep. and make this decision and, and pose the different perspectives. Now you're in a place where you're like, yeah, I guess that doesn't make sense. But when it was you, and even if it were just you, if it was like, hey, I have this cash on property and the market is really good and I can get the value from it, you have one perspective. So I enjoy and I'm super grateful for, you know, the marriage of the real estate and the marriage in real estate and having the ability to make these decisions together. Sure. I mean, and honestly, this is one of the benefits of um, even the course that we're doing in the community that we're launching, because you can have these collectively, right? So when you ask that key question is, what will you do with the money? Yep. That's a that's a real question, right? Mm-hmm. And if we were just having this discussion between each other without the experience we had or without the knowledge we have, then somebody say, hey, here's $50,000, who's turning that down? <laughs> it seems much exactly. easier than spend $6,000 to do all this work, sure. right? So 
having people that you can go to and go, hey, you've been down this road before. What did you do? What do you think? Um, and create that sense of investing community, I think it's also super key because that will make the difference between somebody maximizing their investment and cashing out right before peak or right when the market's really getting good. You know, they're about to build a Starbucks by Skyview. Yep. So how good is the market about to get, right? Uh, and if we sold today, can we, we probably need to try to buy more. <laughs> like, you That's know what true. I mean? So we, we, and you're right. We probably need to look at like, how, how can we, how can we amass more, more homes in, in this that area? community? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Which, oh, Anyway, now my brain is like, oh, I know neighbors. I know people that live over there. Like, we can make that work. Um, That's so, a good point. Yeah. I know. I know, right? Uh, so maybe we can, well, our interest rate's really good. The interest, the interest rate on Skyview? Yeah. It's not as good as the interest rates are now, but. Right now. Yeah. Uh, it's I don't like know. a four. Isn't that like a four? Four or five or something like four? that? Mm hmm Oh, we might was, need to refinance. It was a good rate when it was a good rate. We might need to refinance, Skyview. Maybe we should refi. And if we refi, we could cash out and buy another Skyview. There's a thing. See, this is all the good <laughs> stuff that comes out of the conversations, right? But this is why you want to talk about your investments from an analytical standpoint. Don't let it be emotional. You know, I, I think... Mm -hmm. When we first really got into it, it was like, oh, well, this is your first house and this, whatever. And you have to really separate yourself from investing. And I like this house or this was my dream or this whatever, because that's the difference between it being an investment and just a liability, mm -hmm. honestly. Because if you're holding on to something just because, yeah, it was your first it might not be the best use of your cash. It might not be the best whatever. So, I mean, everything for sale, if the price is right and everything can be kept if the numbers make sense. So. That's true. And you made a good point. You know, we don't very, very, it's not very often is what I'm trying to say. It's not very often in our community that we have people that we can have these kind of conversations mm -hmm. with. And, you know, marriage and real estate and even the establishment of the marriage and real estate society is that it's like the community that you wish you had, you know, the community that you that you would want to be able to have these kinds of conversations with. That's what we are creating with marriage and real estate and the marriage and real estate society. It's like finding your people. Yeah, we we I think we have done a good job at finding who our people are personally, who we can have these really great, really authentic, mm -hmm. really helpful conversations with. But everybody else doesn't have that. And so we put this platform together of marriage and yep. real estate so that we can make that super inclusive and add other people to the conversation. And so that we can be your people. So please definitely tune in. Uh, I know that we'll have the links for the course coming out soon. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that uh, lots of fun stuff. I'm super, super excited. It's a fun time. Uh, and, you know, I look forward to more conversations like this with you. For sure. And let's be clear, we're the doers, right? That's true. We, this is not a group of people who sit around and talk about what we're going to do. Yeah. This is not a group of people who sit around and talk about investing and all the different ways you can do it. We're going to encourage you to do it. To we jump our money into, where our mouth is. Yeah, to jump into the water so that we're not just having these hypothetical conversations about what you could do. We're having real live money making, transaction, transacting yeah. conversations 
conversations with buying properties, we're becoming landlords, and we're building wealth through real estate. Yeah, man. Let's do it. Let's go. This has been the Marriage and Real Estate Podcast. We out.